This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Everyone's a critic on BFM 89.9. Hello, you're listening to Everyone's a Critic. I'm Sharmila Ganesan. And today we have an interview. Joining me for that is artist Jerome Coogan. Jerome, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Jerome's here with us because he's just opened his first exhibition in uh, quite a few years, actually. Uh, It's called Hurt, Need, Undo, Live. It's showing at the Backroom KL until the 28th of August. Uh, And so Jerome's joining us to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Let's start actually with the title, Hurt, Need, Undo, Live. What's that meant to indicate? So the words, uh, it comes from the first work that I did. Uh, when I kind of moved back to uh, Kota Kinabalu. I, w- I lived in KL for 17 years. And um, when, I, uh, when I left KL, that was like at the end of, I just finished doing my first solo show uh, at, in KL. And for that, I, I made this work that you call a talisman. And the talisman contains words in it. And when I moved back to KK, I made my second talisman. And those were the words sort of that came to me um, that, you know, it's sort of like a main part of the work. Um, And when those words came to me, I didn't really understand. I mean, I I don't really understand the significance of them, but they, when they come to me, they just kind of like stick my mind and they kind of work as uh, I wrote about it and almost like a guiding principle uh, or theme that I'm uh, kind of like have to kind of think about uh, the works that I'm doing. And I would hang this, this, this talisman, talisman piece over my work desk. And every now and then when I feel like, I don't know what I'm doing, like what am I doing here? I think I'll just glance at it like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to be thinking about. And I don't know if it's like descriptive or prescriptive, uh, but indeed like after the, end of the, the, the period of I was doing these works and looking back in hindsight I definitely I felt that these words uh, kind of reflect or de- the, uh, kind of uh, describe the that period of, of time yeah my life as well yeah. Ah, so what's interesting is that um, the show is actually split into two parts. So the first part, which is happening from the 6th to the 28th of August, and then part two is from the 3rd to the 25th of September. Um, What will we see in each part? Because um, at least from what I've seen, they're quite distinct in some ways. I made quite a lot of like uh, work during the the four years that I was like, uh, these past four years. And like, and these works are actually supposed to be shown uh, prior to the whole pandemic thing. Uh, but of course, that got kind of like postponed two years. Da, da, da. And, you know, within those four years, I did made work like during the MCO period as well. Um, so I, I kind of produced a lot of stuff. Uh, and when I brought it here to, to KL to show uh, to the back room, uh, the two... Uh, Lisa and Ellen were like helping me put together the show. They had a look at it. It was like, this is too much to put into one show. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was like uh, for uh, logistics wise, to, it was better like 
uh, it was it was sort of like better served the works to show them uh, in two parts, but then just one one uh, one show there would be too much for people to to look at. It'd be also nice to have some space around the works so we can like let the works breathe and like uh, I think aesthetically nicer to to have like the, to see these works. Uh, with like, a lot of space behind uh, around that kind of thing, um, but in terms of the the distinct look of the two two different exhibitions, it's because like you know I, when I make works, uh, usually I'm kind of like follow a certain obsession at the time, uh, so the, in the first part, uh, the so Lisa and Ellen chose the more colorful pieces. <clears throat> and this was like a, a series of works that I did on uh, what I, I call them the triptychs. And what I did was like, I was like, you know, looking for an interesting material to work with. It has to be small, it has to be like, like uh, easily transportable because I knew I would be showing them these works in KL. And so I was like, you know, shopping with my sister one day in Daiso. <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and I saw these like uh, chopping boards <laughs> That I first saw this, so I was like, and I looked at it. It's like this is perfect. This is perfect to do like uh, artwork on. I've never painted on wood before, so uh, it was definitely like an experiment. But at the same time, I did kind of like, oh, this this is cool to 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 to, to do these kinds of works. Da, da, da. And the colors came from. So for the during the first exhibition, uh, the works were very kind of like stark and duochromatic, monochromatic, and decided like, um, maybe I need a bit more color. So there was another series of works in between uh, that I had that I did with a lot of color. So I decided like, uh, <clears throat> but it was still kind of like still du duochromatic. But for this one, like the series, I decided to go all out, to go crazy with the colors. Mm. Uh, it was like really interesting to do that. Um, so for the second part, of the this show, the current show, uh, the works will be will focus more on the monochromatic, like or duochromatic, two colors, one color kind of like uh, works. A bit, a bit more stark, but we felt it was stronger to lead with the more colorful works first. The colors certainly stand out a lot. Um, I I really love the use of colors in this one, particularly because um, there's a sort of very deliberate use of in some cases to create uh, joy, but in others, I think, to create even discomfort um, or to confront you with the colours and the imagery, which I which I really liked. Um, I wanted to also sort of draw on the actual imagery that you've been using in the pieces because it's a combination of um, some very life-affirming visuals, you know, trees or nature or butterflies, uh, but in contrast, also images that quite clearly symbolize death, um, sometimes literally skulls, but also just, um, I think, a certain undertone of, of darkness. What are some of the themes that you were interested to depict and, and this sort of duality? Uh, so the triptychs, they were very influenced by my kind of like uh, own study of uh, religious art. I, I was like, when, when I sort of like started um, uh, decided to be become a f like a full time artist, I guess. Uh, this was like uh, maybe 2014, uh, 15. Um, I kind of like 
I had to sort of look for subject matter. And the subject matter that I kind of like uh, really honed in was the human body. Um, so I had to sort of like uh, go through, do, 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 do my own kind of study of art because I was never uh, an art student or whatever. So I never really had like an art history kind of background or whatever. So I had to read up, uh, watch a lot of documentaries, just like do a lot of reading. And it, you know, it, it definitely took me to Renaissance paintings, to, um, and of all the sort of like depictions of the human body, that, that was a period sort of like that really captured my imagination because I thought it was a fantastical, uh, especially, I think all this like religious imagery really took me like because of the colors, the, the, the crazy depictions of uh, demons and whatever. Um, and, it, and that kind of like gave me this, this idea of like basing the series on that kind of like look um, but I didn't want to, you know, directly reference like uh, religion in my work, but uh, by in a sort of like a roundabout way, uh, because I love the form, I love the colors. You know, it wasn't just like I, well, I grew up Catholic, um, but you know, at the same time, I was also kind of like interested in religious art from different cultures. I lived for a while in Jalan Ipoh. And you know, Jalan Ipoh has a lot of like Indian, te Indian temples. Mm. And every now and then I would go into an Indian temple and like give an offering. And, but just admire the explosion of colors and uh, uh, the imagery and stuff like that. And that gave me the, the inspired me a whole lot when I was doing the, the triptych pieces. Just the use of colors, this contrasting colors. Um, and it was like, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, you said just now there's a lot of like, uh, there's some works that celebrate like obviously joy, nature, but there's also some like darker themes. And I think that it is just part of, part of parcel of the like, life itself. Um, it really has to go back to the talisman piece, Hurt, Need, and You Live. Um, I think it also spoke about my kind of like, um, my own personal journey at the same time uh, but also you know at the same time I was sort of like uh, kind of receiving uh, I guess vibes she's <laughs> a very sort of like unscientific term <laughs> to, from friends from uh, the community around me from what was happening in Malaysia uh, politically at the same time you know we've gone through quite like a turbulent period at the past few years and the whole world basically um, and but at the same time you know there is there is another word that uh, kind of like at the center of the talisman which is resist um, mm -hmm. and that that one is like the most out of the, the four words in the talisman resist five words actually in the talisman resist is the one that actually um, pins it but at the same time, uh, negates it. Um, I still don't really understand fully. The other day, someone was asking me, why, why did you choose the word resist to put in the center of it? I actually don't really know. Uh, the talismans come to me, and these words come to me uh, with their own power. Like, uh, and sometimes you just like, you know, uh, have to stop questioning and kind of just have to believe. It's a bit like, you know, that leap of faith, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, like, uh, when it comes to art, 
um, it's a very unscientific thing to 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 kind of like believe or to kind of accept this thing that you're looking at uh, visually. You have to have the kind of a leap of faith. It's like watching a play, reading a book, you know, to really immerse yourself in it. You have to sort of just leave your leave all kind of like or most of your logic behind and just jump into it. And that's what I had to do as well in these works, just to just let it happen. I'm speaking with Jerome Coogan, artist, who has just opened his art exhibition at the Backroom KL. It's called Hurt, Need, Undo, Live. We'll continue our conversation with Jerome after this. So keep it here on Everyone's a Critic, BFM 89.9. Bruce Freddie Morrissey, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic with Sharmila. And today I'm speaking with artist Jerome Coogan. His show, Hurt, Need, Undo, Live, just opened at the Backroom KL. It's on until the 28th of August. Um, And so uh, we are continuing our conversation with Jerome. So I wanted to pick up on one particular aspect, right? Like um, you talked about how um, the works in this show were created over the last five years, which also is that phase where you left KL, moved back to Kota Kinabalu, how did this experience uh, shape and materialize in your art, especially when this was also the phase, like you mentioned, political turmoil, pandemic, and so on? Uh, uh, so uh, I decided to move back to KK uh, in the end of the 2017, uh, basically for a few reasons. One of the main reasons was for very practical, because uh, I, you know, life as an artist is not easy in this country <laughs> and for me like as a late as a late career change kind of move uh, I knew that I I would not be able to sustain myself in a city like KL working as an artist so I decided to move back home to my sister's place live rent free <laughs> just take advantage of that um it was so bad. That was a very pragmatic kind of like decision. But also I moved back because my mom was like, uh, her health was failing at the time and decided to move back to spend some, some time with her. And she, and I'm really glad that I did because she, uh, she passed away in December last year. Mm. And so that was nice to have been able to like spend the last few years of her life with her. And you know, the, the, the thing with living with your family is always that, um, it, it's, it's, you know, when I first moved back, it, I felt it was kind of like a, like a regression into childhood. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no matter how old you are, when you're with your family, you're all, always a, a daughter, a son, a child. Um, and, and I felt that as well. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it kind of like, um, it was nice to be away from... Uh, the city for a while. The city can be, um, it can very be, be very distracting. It can be very, because it's faster pace of life. Um, so you don't really have the space where you, time and space where you can sort of just like focus on, um, and kind of still your mind um, and focus on the things that need to be done. Uh, and going back to KK, living with my family, um, and just, and just doing quiet, like work quietly, uh, really sort of like uh, helped me to kind of like make these works. It was really like uh, uh, instrumental 
And I don't know if I would be able to make these works if I had remained at KL. Hmm. Which brings me to ask, I mean, you pointed out uh, in terms of the ideas that inform the work, in terms of the inspiration, certainly it comes from your own personal experience. And a part of that is, of course, this identity as being a Malaysian, but also someone from Kota Kinabalu who came to KL and returned. So all these layers. But the works themselves don't always necessarily sort of wear its Malaysian heart on its sleeve, right? And and I mean, that's something that I think different artists choose to do or not do. Is it important for you for your works to be read as or perceived as being Malaysian? Uh, not really. But at the same time, I cannot like uh, deny that I am Malaysian. I cannot deny mm. the fact that I'm Sabahan. Uh, I cannot deny my roots. But at the same time, I don't want these things to completely define me. Um, so that's why the works kind of just like, uh, you see it every now and then in glimpses. Mm-hmm. I think there's one, one work that is really like explicit uh, about uh, Malaysia. But even then, it's kind of, you don't really know what it's actually saying. Because um, I don't really, you know, uh, maybe it's just a person that I am. Uh, that I don't really feel like, I think it's important for artists to be able to situate themselves in place and time, a specific place and time. But at the same time, I also feel it's very important for artists to have the freedom not to be, uh, to be kind of pinned down by those, those conventions. Um, I think uh, a lot of the curation, the art curation that's happening at the moment uh, loves this idea of, uh, and that you, as an artist, you kind of embrace the locality, the, the, the localness, the, the kind of like uh, where you are in this space and time. Uh, but, you know, as a person myself, um, when I think about the, the, the kind of works that I, that I love, the kind of books that I love, the kind of movies that I loved, um, they're always kind of... Uh, Sure, they evoke a certain place and time, but they also evoke uh, uh, the possibility of transcending this place and time. Mm. And I love that. I love that. Like when I see that in in someone's work, that they can able to transcend this this is this moment in time or place. Yeah. So I think that that is really um, where I'm at as an artist. Yeah. And having followed your works for a while now, you've continued your practice of bringing together text in your art, um, bringing together text and visual images. What draws you to this approach? Uh, as you know, Shamila, <laughs> I started out as a writer, right? Yeah. We worked together at the Star. Yes, we did. We did work together at the Star. <laughs> so this this is actually, I'm not, I wasn't trained as an artist. I was trained actually as a writer. And I think like... Uh, my work as a writer has always really influenced, uh, even when I was doing music, um, the, the, like, the lyrics were always very important to me and words were always very important to me. And I think um, like uh, when, when I kind of like, when I sort of like started this series of works, it was always the talismans that come to me and those words, those are words. Mm. And I think even when I'm making the works, uh, like, uh, the process that I take the works through, I do it sometimes like a writer. Like I would 
like I would draw first, da, 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 but then I would draft it, then I draft it, then I draft it. Oh, interesting! Like like a like a writer. Like a, I used to do with I used to do this with like when I was writing poems. Mm. Um, I would write the first draft, then I would put it away, and I would like look, come back to it, make a second draft, make a third draft, and I would go edit and edit and edit and edit and edit. So, and I find that um, that when I'm uh, doing art. I kind of have this process as well. So the writer, I thought had left writing behind, but actually he has like, <laughs> it's just been kind of subsumed into a different kind of like medium. Yeah, yeah. Jerome, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you, Shamila. I've been speaking with artist Jerome Coogan, whose exhibition has just opened at the Backroom KL. It's on until the 28th of August. And then the second part is on from the 3rd to the 25th of September. For more information, you can visit thebackroomkl.com. And let us know, are you planning to check it out? If you've seen it, what do you think? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.